also what the what you learn from righty tighty lefty loosey is that um, right handed people have tighter assholes. <laughs> 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 we're, we're back we can't start with a, a welcome <laughs> david said some traumatic stuff I, I, I don't know what to say anymore um hello welcome back to this is a terrible place to live hosted by myself david damari and uh, me i'm i'm john i'm here as well john i'm honestly just disappointed in you i'm bringing <laughs> a level of professionalism to this podcast i'm uh punctual <laughs> oh yeah yeah right <laughs> dear Jay- listeners i showed up an hour late for this david was yes over an hour late for this well you don't need to rub it in my face like that an John. hour and nine minutes late but who's counting? Me. <laughs> and me. We were both counting. So really, who's not counting? This is a real question here. Them. They don't actually care because it doesn't They weren't counting. Them. Yeah, they weren't counting. They can listen to this whenever they want. That's right. But we're back. It, we are. Yes, we are. Yay. It's been a little bit. Um, because I was too lazy to edit the one that we recorded in December. So, Also, I forgot to send you the... The audio file from my end anyway i was still in germany i don't know where yeah i was in, you germany. Were in germany when we recorded it yeah um yeah so there was that but we're back by popular demand um <laughs> popular with one person miriam mm-hmm. we recorded this for you specifically the, well oh i mean we had plans to re- record anyway. We were going to, but w- w- we can make it sound like we're nice. I'm sorry. Yes. Um. I mean, Miriam, this is entirely for you. Um, we appreciate you. We're renaming our fans after you instead of Bobby. Yeah. Because who cares you're about so Bobby? much nicer. Um, all of our Miriams out there. Bobby, what an <laughs> idiot. Can't even move to California, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're sorry, Bobby. We don't mean it. I'm not. <laughs> I mean that. um but we're back we're new and improved no more speed racer jokes they're out the window oh thank god out the window of the mach 5 speed racer's car that's the last one i had to though okay though (laughs) (sighs) but we have many things to talk about yeah and uh well we had talked about you learning to edit while you were in ireland so that you could help edit the podcast every once in a while but i'm certain that did not happen no so we may not be uh making the podcast happen more often or we might i don't know but we'll be talking about it i started trying to like film a video when i was in ireland and i was like man the sound of this autofocus is just really loud could i I could manual focus 
And I was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, that's the main <laughs> thing I had problems with with when I started doing videos was the autofocus just goes the whole time. I didn't have an attachment to hook up my microphone and I didn't have like the the mount to put it on top. I was like, I could make it better, but I don't have the things to. And I was like, uh, oh well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of, of videoing though, I haven't told you, I'm actually working on a commercial for oh, wow. the company I work for needs a video for this conference they're doing, like that they're going to. Mm-hmm. And um, they asked me to do it as like a, a contractor. So I'm writing and directing a commercial for them. So that's cool. Stay tuned, dear listeners. Um, that was a little tease. John's being a little tease. Oof. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know. I mean, it'll eventually go on their website, but I don't think anyone wants to go watch the commercial I make. But I'll Go watch it. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Miriam will too, won't you? She said yes. Okay, I couldn't hear her, which is weird because I'm the one wearing the headphones. Um, oh, there we go. Okay. You couldn't see. This translates so well to the audio medium that is our podcast. But I placed two fingers over my ear as though I had an earpiece, which I do not. And that was the whole joke. So it wasn't very good for a podcast, but uh, it made John <laughs> chuckle. And that's all that matters. For those of you listening, you should know that your enjoyment of this product is secondary to, to our John's own enjoyment. <laughs> to our own enjoyment of this podcast. <laughs> we don't care about you. That's the takeaway. Damn straight. I uh, say this after I was like, oh, we should make Miriam think that we care. Yeah. 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 We don't. We don't. We tricked you, uh, Miriam. <laughs> wow, you must be really dumb. <sighs> okay. Uh, I have a few notes about things I wanted to talk about. Do you have any things other than the obvious one that we wanted to talk about? Um, I think we should talk about coronavirus because people haven't talked about that enough. <laughs> I think that we are going to have some interesting and insightful things to say about what's been talked to death already because we have a very unique perspective of white men uh, yes. Yes, we do. Coronavirus. Uh, it exists. It does. It's a virus. Do we even know that it exists, though? That's the real question. Uh, yes, because I know someone who has it. This has been... This is a terrible place to live. <laughs> I'll be leaving. They live Good in night. They live in Florida. You don't have to worry. Interesting. This so, is this is this is third hand though because the person who I know their sister told my brother so this is this is third hand. Oh, I was getting excited. I thought we had like an insider scoop. I was like this is going to go viral. They're all going to want to know what we have to say about coronavirus because we know someone who has it. Viral. <laughs> yeah, that that was the pun. It was unintentional, <clears throat> but as soon as I I realized it later on, and I was like, oh, look how funny I am. So funny. <laughs> John seemed somewhat I, aroused I, the way I, he I, said that. <laughs> I don't think there's all that much to say about coronavirus, honestly. Is it a big deal? Yes. Uh, is everyone going to die? No. Uh, Just the old people. But who needs them anyway? 
that's sad but also i mean it's a virus that already is the case yeah i mean i don't know i think it'll be real sad for a bit everyone's gonna be dying but we'll be all right yeah I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you die, which is kind of nice. So, I mean, we'll all get through. Well, not all of us. (laughs) (laughs) A bunch of us will get through this. We'll get through this as a species and we'll just die a few years later with climate change. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know what? Everyone's going to die eventually. So, yeah. We're here to provide an optimistic take <laughs> at this is a terrible place to live, which can also apply to the planet if you think about it. Yeah, it can apply to my house or it can apply to the planet or... It can apply to the Clear Lake Public Library. It can also apply <laughs> to uh, where the the church I have gone to my entire life since we recorded there once. It can't apply to my house because we've never recorded there and we never will. That's unfortunate, but also very not unfortunate and true. I don't know what you were saying there, John, to be perfectly honest. It's unfortunate that we can't say that about your house, but it's not necessarily unfortunate we haven't recorded there and ever will. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what I'm saying either, honestly. Did well, you? I, are we still talking about coronavirus? We are. Oh. We're not going to talk about anything else this entire podcast. Oh, this has become... Corona, Corona cast. Corona oh. cast. That just sounds like it's a podcast <laughs> where they about talk the about beer. Corona beer. <laughs> they're just, they're like, ah, oh, do you see that they came out with the lime Corona? Ooh, boy. <laughs> what a bunch of nerds they'd have to be to make a podcast like that. I bet it exists. The Corona cast? I bet it's a branded podcast that someone makes. I hate that. The idea of it existing makes me mad. <laughs> uh, I just feel like I've talked coronavirus to death already. Like, I do actually have something interesting, a little anecdote to say about it. Um, so recently, I was with my mother at a dinner with some of her friends. And we all sat down and I was introduced to them. And one of her friends was talking about the coronavirus. And she said, and the CDC was saying that we're all supposed to cough into our elbows. I'm like, wait, that's not news. That's like, everyone should know that. Yeah. This lady seemed dramatically out of touch. Like, it was impressive almost. So... (laughs) She said, they're saying we need to cough into our elbows, but what if I go around and I hug someone then? My elbow's going to get on them, and they're going to get coronavirus. And then I was trying to say, well, clearly, the problem here isn't that you coughed into your elbow. It's more that you went and hugged someone right afterwards. (laughs) And the funniest part of this entire exchange was that there was a doctor sitting at the table who could barely get a word in edgewise and he looked so uncomfortable. He was like, oh no. (laughs) And then (laughs) this lady said, and Bernie Sanders is saying, if he gets elected, everyone's gonna get the coronavirus uh, vaccine for free. And then she said, 
but what if we don't want it? I don't get my flu shot. And I was like, oh no, she's an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you don't want it, then you don't get it the same way you don't get the flu shot though, right? Like, do you get the flu shot every year? Like some people do, you're supposed to, but yeah. a lot of people forget to and you, they don't get the flu. Like, I, what? I know there, are, there have been at points some mandatory vaccines like, well, I mean, there are mandatory vaccines for like babies and like when you're traveling and whatnot. No, but like where it'll be like forced upon you, not like um, the flu shot where it's like it's mandatory, but then you can be like, uh, my religion says no. Right. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I. I'm not educated enough to speak on this any more than to share that. <laughs> frustrating and amusing story um i will say before we move on from coronavirus there is a really interesting vox video about why viruses like this keep coming out of china um and it's it's worth a watch so you should look it up it's very racist <laughs> it's not racist at all i haven't seen it <laughs> it's not racist at all it's, it's quite good it's about the fresh markets uh where they sell exotic animals so oh Interesting. Yeah, including uh, endangered species. Wow. For, for meat, yeah. So, anyway. Really, it's just the repercussions of their actions. If you sell endangered animals, you're going to create horrible viruses that kill the world. Also, because of coronavirus causing such a major shutdown in China, there are places in China that are literally seeing blue skies for the first time in decades. Because they've shut down plants. Wow. <laughs> Which is k kind of insane. Yeah. I mean, who knew it was the tree's fault this whole time? <laughs> if we just get rid of the plants, then you can see blue skies. I'm not very funny. I apologize I to it. I don't get what you're saying at all. Because they shut down the plants. Oh, 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 oh. For okay. her... <laughs> I think I'm not funny, but that John didn't get that. John's not smart, so we even uh, out. We already knew that, though. Yeah. Uh, okay, you have something you want to say. Go ahead. I was just the the one thing I wrote down is: Do you know who the the Christian singer Jeremy Camp is? No, you don't. Should I? No, honestly, no. But. You know the song, I still believe your no. faith. Oh, they played it on the radio like my entire growing up life, okay? It's one of the popular <laughs> Christian rock songs, right? So they made a movie about this guy, a Christian movie about this artist, and the person who plays Jeremy Camp. Uh-huh. Do you have any guesses? Jeremy Renner. No, but that you're a perfect. lot closer than I was expecting. I don't know. It's KJ Appa. He plays Archie on Riverdale. Okay. I was like, what the heck? I don't care about KJ Appa, to be perfectly honest. I, I know very little about him. I just, I saw it and I was like, I thought you would know who Jeremy Camp is. So I thought it would be a more interesting conversation. But it just is weird to me that A, he has a movie about his life. And B, it's being played by the same guy. This This Christian singer is being played by the guy who plays a teenager in a 
a promiscuous relationship with a teacher on a TV show is a very strange casting choice. Yeah, well, my my mind went to Jeremy Renner first off because he looks like like to look at him you'd be like he could be in Newsboys. And then also he has his um air quotes music career going on as well. Yeah, his music is terrible though. Well, I mean better. I mean like it's a Christian movie about I, I can't comment on Jeremy Camp's music. I don't know who he is. It's fine. Yeah. So he doesn't have to be <laughs> that good a musician to play him. No, yeah. I mean, KJ App is a musician. Actually, probably better than Jeremy Camp, yeah. Better than Jeremy Renner? Uh, way better than Jeremy Renner. <laughs> Plays really good guitar. I don't think he's written anything, though. Huh. Well, I mean, Jeremy Renner is a, a true artist in that he writes all of his own songs. I I can't with Jeremy Renner. He's let me down too many times. <laughs> let you down? What did you expect of him in the first place that, you, that you've been let down? I just expected him to be less. Period. Just, yeah, I don't know. He could have been a good action star. If... I mean, like, I've never particularly liked him. And really anything that I've seen him in. I've he's just been okay. like he's in tag. He's good in tag. Yeah, well, like everything I see him in, I'm like, he was fine. Like he didn't ruin that movie. He wasn't the best part of it, but he didn't ruin it either. Like in tag, any Avengers movie, um Born Legacy, I was like, why did they give him this? But like, okay. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean <laughs> eh. Yeah, that that's the perfect sound. To surmise <laughs> the entire the entirety of Jeremy Renner's career is just eh. eh. It's like uh, eh. Eh. he's there. Yeah. And he could have been Jeremy Camp. And they have the same first name, so it's perfect. You they know? do actually kind of look like each other. Well, that's what I was saying. <laughs> I have this m- mental picture of what a generic christian musician looks like and it's basically just jeremy renner that's jeremy camp there was the thing that i had going on twitter for a little bit of how nathan fillion oh yeah yeah (laughs) and pedro pascal and apparently jeremy renner because i messed up all look like the same person. Yeah, yeah. David posted a picture of of Nathan Fillion next to Jeremy Renner and said Nathan Fillion and Pedro Pascal are the same person. Well, no, hang on. What I said was Pedro Pascal is just Nathan Fillion wearing hair gel. And then I was like, "Wait, isn't that Jeremy Renner?" And then he posted a picture. You posted a picture of of Pedro Pascal after that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then I posted someone else, but they weren't as close. Yeah, you messed up there. Hey, well, I tried. But I was living in the moment. Yeah, they they're all the same. I was looking really the only difference I should have just posted Matt Damon cuz he looks like Nathan Fillion. Yeah, the only difference was that like Pedro Pascal has like brown eyes and 
the chins can be like a tiny bit different, but that it was hard to tell which one was which. I was looking down this list and going, yep, these are all just <laughs> different pictures of the same man. <laughs> There's not much to, to say there except that I found it interesting. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Now they need to make a movie where the three of them play brothers. Triplets. Huh. I don't know in what context. They're just all going to be triplets. Well, see, I thought of it because I saw the trailer for um, Narcos, and it has Pedro Pascal in it. Right, yeah. And I saw him in the trailer, and I was like, I didn't know Nathan Fillion was in this show. So then I like went to IMDb, and I was like, wait, Nathan Fillion isn't in this show. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was Pedro Pascal. <laughs> Yeah, I I do the same thing with um uh what is his name? Uh Alan Tudyk and uh uh the guy who plays Barney on How I Met Your Mother. Um Oh, Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. I get them confused. No. Mhm. I wouldn't do that. No, cuz like most things Alan Tudyk's in, it's just like voice work anyway. Uh I guess. I mean, he's in um tucker and dale versus evil he's in firefly he's in uh uh there was another one that was on the tip of my tongue that i was about to say oh he's the main villain of doom patrol yeah but like other than like those three things i can't think of a live action role of alan tudyk uh uh, he's uh, the parrot in uh, <laughs> yes in Aladdin. That's live action, technically. Good job. <laughs> that parrot with Alan Tudyk's face. I did think I did look at it and go, uh, "That's Neil Patrick Harris." <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris, famous parrot. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I think they look similar though. Yeah, that was just something I wanted to bring up for a little bit. I don't have really anywhere to go with it from this point forward. I I have a story to tell you about walking outside of my house and getting held at gunpoint on my front porch. You don't have a house, John. My apartment. Okay, thank you. <laughs> go ahead. I walked out of my apartment, I closed uh-huh. the door and turned around and... I was being held at gunpoint by a 12-year-old girl with a Nerf gun. It was shocking. I was like, what? And then she was yelling at me about something. And then the other kid in the courtyard playing whatever game was like, he's not playing. He's not playing. I was like, I'm certainly not playing. I don't know what's (laughs) happening. I just walked outside of my house. Apartment, apartment. (laughs) Don't you trick our listeners into thinking that you have a house. (laughs) How dishonest would that be? So then I was like trying to go to my car and her little brother was like, saw my camera cause I had it with me and he was like, Oh, you have a GoPro, which uh, my camera is a mirrorless. It was this camera. It's a Canon EOS M50, which is 
not anything like a GoPro. I was like, well, I mean, it's not, a, it's a camera. It's not a GoPro. He was like, oh, cool. Can you take a picture of me? I was like, no, I don't know you. <laughs> You're like eight. I don't know you. And and then the girl was like, you remind me of the Mad Hatter. And I was like, I have to get out of here. <laughs> and then she, but then she was like, or Mary Poppins. And I was like, what? Those two look nothing alike. They look the same. <laughs> Johnny Depp, who is famous for playing Mary Poppins, also played the Mad Hatter. I was very confused. Anyway, that's my story. <laughs> Apparently, I'm the Mad Hatter Mary Poppins. Um, well, I mean, I think you messed up in the way that you told that story. First off, because you said that you got were held at gunpoint, and you led me to believe that it was by a, a, someone with ill intent. Who meant to harm you? They did mean to harm me. With a with a real gun, though, is the the key point there. I mean, I did find a bully casing in my parking lot. A bully a casing? A bullet casing. It's a lot of noise. <laughs> Hold on, just making a lot of noise. Oh no, the ASMR podcast is back. I thought we'd moved on. I thought it was gone with Speed Racer. Oh, he got it to show to our listeners. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a nine millimeter casing. You can hear it. There you go. Uh, (laughs) But no, so I didn't ever believe that you were in any real danger because, well, for one, I see you in front of me and you're fine. (laughs) And for another, because you didn't lead with that story. If you'd led with the gun story, I'd have been like, whoa, this will be... But the problem is that happened before you got back from Ireland. So oh. I've just been sitting on it for a while. For all of you <laughs> listeners, David just looked under his chair, which doesn't make sense because I said I was sitting on it, not that he's sitting on it. So he should have looked under my chair. Anyway. That requires more work. I'd have to get up and go over there. <laughs> it was a cheap joke and I shouldn't have made it. I'm sorry. Because no one can see you, David. I keep apologizing for jokes on this podcast. I'm just like in constant fear of offending people. (laughs) They're not even offensive jokes. I'm just like, I'm sorry. We're just being, we're just getting ourselves prepared for the last subject on the the podcast. I won't apologize for that. Oh, no, you won't. (sighs) Actually, I might. We'll get there. We'll get there. You watched uh, Citizen Kane recently. Oh, yeah, I did. Uh-huh. And I saw that you gave it just a slightly above average rating. What did I rate it? I don't remember. Three and a half. Okay, yeah. Well, here's the thing. It was really well made. I see why it's such a you know important film. But the thing is, it was really boring. It's not. It's so boring. I've never gotten that. It's so boring. I almost fell asleep. It's so boring. Oh my gosh, it's so boring. Recent. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll get. I was just gonna say, like the opening, like newsreel thing, because it opens on like a newsreel about the guy dying. I thought I was watching the wrong thing. I was like, (laughs) "What the heck is this?" And it went on for so long. I was like, "Is this the (laughs) entire movie?" And then it ended and I was like, okay, so the movie's almost done. 
they're about to just like have a little thing. They're going to discuss it and then they're going to find out what it means and then it'll be over. And then there's a very long dramatic shot. (laughs) And then it just keeps going on and on and on. And I realized we're only 20 minutes into this movie. It was so long. It's only like what? It's less than two hours, but it feels really long. That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't I'm know. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. No, David's well, really David's sorry. really sorry. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I was just engrossed in it. I don't know. I, I think I have, like, a... As far as like an attention span goes with movies, I'll put up with a very slow pace. Like, or not, the pace isn't even that slow in the movie. No, the movie doesn't move slowly. It It's just, it, it does a lot of rehashing, I think. It, that's kind of what I felt. Like, it, it, it retreads some things a few times because it's the reporter goes from person to person recounting the guy's life. And so each person has like a few things that cross over with someone else. Yeah. But from like a different perspective. And I guess that just, to me, it just made it feel slow, but it really isn't slow. Yeah. And it's really well made. It's really well written. I just, the lighting is fantastic in that movie. Yeah. I know. Crazy good. The the lighting. um, And as well, the, Something that I'd already talked about with John, but um, something that my my dad told me I watched it with him at the time was that this was one of the first movies to have it where the dialogue is overlapping, where like there'll be a noisy room yeah. and there are other people like talking in the background. And that's like Orson Orson Welles' specialty because he did like radio dramas where he had he would like set everything up to do like live radio dramas where people talk over each other and there's like live background actors talking in the background. So that's kind of his thing. The sound design is amazing. Yeah. The sound design holds up incredibly well where I was like, this is like too good at the time I was watching it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just an, such an incredibly well-made movie. And I think it's a very good story too. Like I, yeah, it's a good story. I just, I don't, Everything about me liked it. Uh-huh. I just was really bored with it by the time it got to the end. Okay. I'll forgive you for having that opinion, John. Even I though it's a movie it. I like very much. Yeah. Recently, we have not agreed on movies. <laughs> well, actually, I was looking through on Letterboxd. And I was like, man, I actually disagree with John on a lot of movies. I, everyone I know has a very different opinion from me on movies. Like, me and Alyssa almost never agree on movies. So, I'm going to pull it up, and this will be the segment of the podcast where I argue with John. I'll go through his letterbox, and I'll tell him all of the movies he's wrong about. You know, I'm going to do the same for you. Uh, Will we take turns, and I'll find one on yours, and you'll find one on mine, and so on and so forth? This sounds good. Okay. We'll see. This is actually something I'd done in... Ireland, because I was talking with my friend there, Daniel, who's also very much into movies, and um, I was like, oh, my friend John is also on Letterboxd. You should like follow his account or something. 
he has pretty good taste. And then I was like scrolling through and I was like, actually, I disagree with him on a ton of these. <laughs> like the <laughs> there are so many. Well, it's just like oh, right off the bat, I know exactly what I'm going to start with. But you go first. Marriage you... story is that what we're going to start with? No. Well, I'll let, I'll let you start with whatever you want to start with. But I, I have <laughs> what I'm going to start with. I will begin with uh, John's review of Marriage Story, the oh, critically nice. acclaimed film by Noah Baumbach. Baumbach, however you say his name. Good director, Mr. Good Director. Um, <laughs> he says, this, mo- this movie should be right up my alley, but it really just made me feel frustrated and bored. I'm sure if I gave it thought, I'd find it, uh, I'd find all good meanings and shit, but I don't think too hard. I can't find a point. What was the message? Not saying I need Ben Stiller to come do dialogue, a, uh, to come dialogue immoral to the story but I'm not sure I can call it a good film. If I have to put so much energy into understanding the purpose, phenomenal acting, writing, directing, and good cinematography, but it doesn't make up for the fact that the story doesn't go anywhere. The ending pushed it from 2.5 to three stars. That's true, yeah. I still stand by that. (laughs) Her tying his shoe. Huh? Her tying his shoe at the end? Yeah. Okay. John, what do you mean the story doesn't go anywhere? It, it doesn't it's go an anywhere. Arc. It's like they start off together and they end up divorced. And they, in the middle, there's all this tension between them. And at the end, there's like, oh, well, they might get along. It's a full arc. There's conflict in the middle. And then there's some, some resolution at the end. The beginning, there's... There is no resolution at the end. The, some, it's barely there. Like... Uh, the the movie the thing about the movie is it's the story of their divorce and it chronicles it's not it's not it's not like depressing or sad it's just very both i'd say it's just flustering you watch it and like when i watched it i thought oh this is gonna be pretty good because it starts off really well i like the like them reading their letters oh that was amazing i love it i love that part and then they like get all she gets flustered and doesn't read it that's the part I meant when I said the ending kind of brings it back is when he reads the letter yeah. that she wrote at the very end. I think that's really yeah. well done. The thing that is bothers me is like the whole like court proceedings in between. I mean, it's just oh, it's those not, were amazing. It's so watching them frustrating. have their words twisted against the other person. That was like heart wrenching for me. Seeing them have all these things said on their behalf that are so hurtful to the other person. But I've seen divorce proceedings go down before. I, my, my friends who've, whose parents have been divorced, I've seen like these, like, like I've seen uh, court struggles for like who's, who's getting the child. And it's just frustrating. And watching it, it wasn't like anything new or interesting. It was just like watching a court proceeding for a divorce. Really realistic, but not really that interesting. I think it was a really good exercise in framing the way that it was, it was shot and everything and the way you could see it in each of them. And uh, I don't know. And nothing was said specifically to buy either of those parties and any of that, but you knew exactly what they were going through in their head and everything. I think that was incredibly well done. I think. 
I, that was I, a very good th- scene. That's the whole thing is is I feel like I should like this movie more than I do because yeah. it is really well made. It's super well written. It's very well acted. All of the shots are beautifully done. Everything is framed like extraordinarily. The problem is I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Like I thought that the beginning was great and the ending was good, but everything in the middle just drove me nuts. You didn't even like uh, Adam Driver's fight scene that he the the huge fight scene in the apartment yeah. no i hated it oh it was a great scene. i don't think that was acted well that's like the one thing i thought was not acted well of the entire that, movie i think he did a good job also the scene where the lady comes to have dinner to see if he's um a good dad that scene was simultaneously like it made you really like upset that he's going through this in the first place but also like it was somehow funny at the same time i didn't find it funny at all that was really stressful it was it was so stressful but at the same time i found myself laughing i was like it was like very good like physical comedy i think at the same time somehow it was a really weird like balance of tones that i think was done perfectly i I don't know i think in that scene, I was kind of, I was really stressed about it because it's a really stressful scene. Yeah. But then at the same time, I was like, oh, he's not a, he can't be a dad on his own. That's terrible. He's awful. Like, <laughs> but then I was also like, but no, he's not. He's just, I don't know. I don't know. It. I just, I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> As know. it is said through the entire movie, Charlie's a really good dad. <laughs> he never showed any good I think he did. Skills. I think he's not a good dad under those circumstances that he was put in regularly throughout the movie. But in general, he is. I got... Yeah. Yeah. I think it was really well made. I just didn't enjoy it. And I, I don't rate films on how good I think they are. I rate them on how much I enjoy them most of the time. And I think if I watched it again, knowing the entire story, I might enjoy it more and I might give it more. That's what happened with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. I watched it once and I was like, ah, eh, it's okay. I watched it a second time and I was like, oh, that was really good and upped my rating. So I don't know. I, it's, it's possible that I just, I don't want to watch it again. So I probably won't ever watch it again and give it a better rating just because I don't, don't feel like it. That's sad because it's a very good movie and everyone should go watch it if you haven't already seen it. They could use the publicity because it's a very under the radar film. Oh, it didn't yeah. get much uh, <laughs> didn't press. Get, didn't get much press at all. It's not like it was uh, nominated for any sort of Academy Awards. <laughs> they need a shout out from this podcast <laughs> with its <laughs> wide range of listeners. Uh, that's you, Miriam. Uh, I won for you. Um, but sticking to the you like it and I don't trend. Uh-huh. Uh, Suki. Noel Miller's short film. Oh, the writing was terrible. You gave it a three and a half. I was like, yeah, he did pretty well. I was like, I've never seen him do a short film before. Good on him. It looked nice. Um, I could see what he was going for. I was really excited. The writing was just really bad. I was really excited because he talked about it for a long time and it sounded like he had this really great idea and he, when he pitches it, sounds awesome. The story was not, it didn't exist. It was really bad. The direction seemed very convoluted. The cinematography was not anywhere close to what he... His test footage? Did you see his test footage? No. Okay, his test footage for it, for the 
the crowdfunding for it was her chopping onions mm-hmm. in the kitchen. And it was really well shot, like super like cinematic and interesting and kind of like mm-hmm. made you wonder what was going to happen. It was very, very different from what he kind of framed it as. And then you get the actual film and it didn't feel like it had a story. To me, it just kind of existed. I was like, what is going on? And then it, it, it ah. I viewed it like as a snippet of a story, like part of a story, because it seems like it's in the middle of something that's going on and you get a, like a, a vignette of it almost, you know, like, and I thought, I thought it looked nice. I thought the cinematography was pretty good. I was like, I mean, I can see that it's pretty amateur, but I like, I see what he's going for. I probably should have rated it a little bit lower, like maybe a three, but like, like, here's the thing. I didn't want to give it a low rating because I want to support Noel Miller and I really want him to make more films because yeah. I think he is super talented. But I just, I saw your rating for it and I was like, you, you liked it? Because like three and a half is like, yeah, it was, it was a little movie. bit too high. I was on the, I was somewhere in between, I was at like 3.25. Okay. I guess I can give that to you. I rated it one and a half. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. That wasn't one that I thought about a whole lot. I was just like, what should I give this? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I only watched it the once, so maybe it wouldn't hold up to a second viewing. <laughs> that was one that I wasn't... I don't know. My, my rating system moves around, to be honest. I'm very inconsistent. Which I think, unless you're a professional critic, most people are inconsistent in the way they rate movies because they don't have a system for rating. They just kind of, I liked this one or I didn't, you know? Yeah. Um, just a moment. Let me find another one of your horrible wrong opinions, John. Pause out. We could talk about Blade Runner 2049. Oh my gosh. Ugh. This is one that I bring up well, almost pretty fairly regularly since I've seen it, that John does not like this movie because he should. I don't understand it. I just had this conversation with uh, Zion, Bethany, and Miriam at a Starbucks talking huh. about Blade Runner. I think it was them. I talked with someone, and I'm pretty certain it was them. And I've also talked with Alyssa about this. It's a really, really long dragging slow doesn't get to the point doesn't ever finish its sentence really doesn't want you to know what it's about to say movie (laughs) it it just it's beautiful and so boring the moral of the story ladies and gentlemen um is that John doesn't have the attention span to appreciate good movies. Okay, no, no, no. They they talk about the horse. They show you where the horse is, and then he walks down a hallway. I counted it when it happened, and I don't remember now, but something like two minutes. Speaking of horses, that's some foreshadowing for later. Oh, dear. Two <laughs> minutes, okay? It's, it was way too long. Like, an average clip of something like that might be like 30 seconds 
to build tension, but that's, instead it he just keeps walking and walking, and you already know where it is. That, and then he gets there, and it's not like, oh, surprise, it's not there, or there's somebody waiting for him there. It's just, oh, there it is. What do you know? You're wrong, and here's why. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> I'm not. That was a perfect encapsulation of the the tone of the original movie. I never saw the original movie. It the the original movie is a very long and meandering movie because a lot of what it has is its visuals and its interesting concepts for a movie because that's how science fiction was at the time. Like 2001 and Star Trek, they have like these long beautiful shots just showing off basically. And Ridley Scott did that in his movie. Did I say that right? Yeah, okay. Well, it's Ridley Scott. I thought I'd messed up for a second. No, yeah, I did. <laughs> but all of like the long takes and the just the tone of it, he got it perfectly because Denis Villeneuve is an excellent director and he was able to to take that movie and make it a modern movie and do a perfect sequel that continues on the, the themes and the subject of the last okay, movie I wasn't in a way that it. makes sense. I wasn't rating it as a sequel to the first movie. I was rating it as a standalone movie. It's not good. It just drags on forever. And it doesn't even resolve at the very end when you like find out the whole big twist and you know you get to the final scene. It doesn't feel like you've discovered anything. It doesn't feel like you've actually figured anything out. Nothing feels... It it closed. It does resolve because the story of the movie is the story of his case from the beginning when he first finds the guy in the house and he has a confrontation. Yeah. To somewhere. the end of the case. It resolves technically. It doesn't. It's a, a full story. Emotionally. That's been told from beginning emotionally, to end. it doesn't resolve. It does not resonate with the person watching. John, I can't do anything about your emotions. See, this is the thing. You're just looking at it technically. I'm not. I enjoyed the movie very much. Uh, why? <laughs> it's so boring. <laughs> and the dialogue is horrible. No, it isn't. I saw that movie and the entire time I was just audibly gasping at how awful it was. Like, I'm pretty certain people were mad at me because I could not hold in my rage at how horrible of a movie it was. What? I hate it. I hate it so much. I I don't understand. Yeah. <sighs> Do you have a, a wrong opinion of mine to share? No, honestly. Because uh, mine are all spot on, John. Because I'm never wrong. No, because we don't watch a lot of the same movies. Like, most of these I haven't seen. Like, I'm looking through and I, I haven't seen a large number of the movies that you've actually rated recently. That's because I'm more of a hipster than you. Oh, here's one you I'm got pretentious. terribly wrong. Oh. Solo. A Star Wars film. What did I rate that? Two and a half. Yeah, I'd say it's an average movie. I'd say it's right in the middle. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. No, that is the best Star Wars movie ever made. Wow. 
I gave it four stars. Better than The Empire Strikes Back, pray tell? Yes. And here's why. Okay. They all suck. Even The Empire Strikes Back, John? Yes. <laughs> They're poorly written. They're terribly acted. They're just not interesting. But Solo's really fun. I don't understand why you like this movie. Because it's a great movie. I feel like that I'm guilty of liking it more than I should because I like Star Wars. I was like, yeah, that movie was kind of like just okay. But I'm going to say it was an average movie because I like Star Wars. Here's the thing. I didn't see Star Wars until I was... 17 when force awakens came out Uh and then i saw all of them and i was very disappointed but then i read like star wars books and i was like oh "Oh, star wars is a cool universe but the movies all suck okay and then solo came out and solo feels like the star wars universe that i like from the books like it feels like a star wars book it feels more star wars than star wars I just don't understand. I don't even really have anything to say. I'm just like a bit confused. I'd say, and even out of like the the spinoff movies, I liked Rogue One better. Rogue One's good too. It's my second favorite Star Wars movie. Rogue One's definitely better than Solo. No. There's, there's no two ways around that. That's. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bump the table. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that or not. Yeah. You did? Okay. No, that was my fault. I mean, I'm, I totally understand. Most people have different opinions. My, I, I have very odd opinions about movies, and I'll accept that. Like, I rate movies on a very weird, in a very weird way, that to the point where I don't think I've ever met anyone who agrees with me about movies. I, see, the thing is, my dad, like, he said after we watched Solo, he was like, yeah, that was my second favorite Star Wars movie after, like, The Empire Strikes Back. And I was like, really? Like, better than A New Hope? Okay. I mean, I'll give you better than Return of the Jedi, which used to be my favorite when I was young. But upon reaching the age of reason, I was like, oh, well, that wasn't that great. Here's, here's the deal. I think part of it is I don't like, I don't like doing one of two things. Mm-hmm. I don't like going with the popular opinion. Which is like that that uh, episode six is usually like the popular opinion is episode six is the best. And I don't like going with the I'm a critic opinion, which is that episode five is the best. Those two. And, I, and I'm not saying that I don't agree with them just because those are the opinions. But like I do have a natural reaction to push back a bit. But also I don't particularly like either of those films. All the stuff on Hoth is so good. The Battle of Hoth is great. The everything in Cloud City, oh, so good. From the from the fight with Darth Vader to the revelation that he is in fact Luke's father, to the from the stuff to Han Solo being frozen in carbonite. Oh, it's all just top notch Star Wars. Just the very cream of the crop as far as Star Wars goes. And it's the perfect like middle chapter. It's like 
man, things aren't so great at the end of this movie. But like, you know that they're going to get better. It's optimistic and you're like, yeah. With that final shot of them all on the on the spaceship when Luke's got his new hand and you're like, whoa, I didn't know they could make robot hands. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. They made Darth Vader. I, I just like the first time I saw Star Wars, I was like, this is what everyone is raving about. I just like my whole life when you gr- were growing up, not seeing Star Wars, everyone's like, you haven't seen Star Wars. And then you see it and it's like, what is this? Why does this exist? And then you get into it. Like you get really into it. But then if you step back, you're like, why, why do people like this? Well, I understand that. Cause like I used to think that, like, because I grew up watching the prequels, so I didn't realize how bad they were at the time. And there was a while where, like, I hadn't seen them in a long time, but I remembered really enjoying them. And I was like, no, the prequels weren't that bad. Just because, like, I like Star Wars. But then I watched them, and I was like, no, the prequels are pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think probably not having nostalgia for Star Wars kind of maybe it taints my experience a little bit to be like it's not that great just as a whole and that's why i like solo a lot is i like it as the star wars that i did like which was like the the extended universe books i find solo in general to be like a pretty forgettable story to be honest i'm like i remember darth maul showed up at the end because they're tying it in with the clone wars now something that they've never done before. <laughs> I mean, it's more than just Darth Maul showing up at the end. It's such a great story. Like it starts with him like smuggling on the one planet. I don't remember planet names. That's just a star Wars thing. I won't remember planet names, but for that like mud creature. And then like he goes off and they try and escape. And then his girlfriend doesn't make it through. And he joins, uh, the, he joins the empire, John, uh, the, the planet at the beginning is Corellia. For a second, I was going to say Corolla, but then I was like, no, that's a car. I'm pretty sure it's Corellia. The planet at the beginning is Corona? Corellia. Corona. Hanzo is sick. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in the cool sense. Hanzo is sick. <laughs> anyway, I mean, I don't know. The movie I, Solo, though, is not sick. The movie Solo is, it is sick. It's four stars. Great movie. Really like it. I've seen it multiple times. I recently watched the movie Rush. Um, and my review for that film was, I feel like Ron Howard consistently makes three star movies. You don't like Rush? Rush was fine. Rush is awesome. That's, that's an opinion of yours that I was going to get to. I saw how much you liked Rush and I was like, I don't understand it, to be honest. Rush is really good. <laughs> it was just okay. It was I don't, three I stars. Don't, I mean, I don't even have anything to say against that, because like, I only gave it, what, four stars, I think? Yeah, I don't know. I, I just saw that you liked it, and I was like, okay. I, don't. I really liked it, because when Ford, Ford versus Ferrari, I went and I made sure that I rated it half a star below Rush. Yeah, like, I don't know. I watched the whole movie, and I was like, cool. (laughs) That was it. I mean, yeah. (laughs) 
And that's how I feel after watching most Ron Howard movies. I'm just like, I haven't seen a lot of Ron Howard movies. He, like he did Apollo 13. I was just like, Oh yeah. I mean, Apollo 13. all right. Apollo 13. I cool. don't remember. I've seen that movie. I don't remember how that movie goes. I know the story of Apollo 13. So I know how it goes, but I don't remember anything about it. I feel like he, I don't understand like why he's been in Hollywood as long as he has because he makes movies and I'm like, yeah, that was okay. Cool. But I don't think he has a particularly interesting take ever. Like it's always just like, yeah, that, that was a good way to tell that story, but it was never anything like, whoa, that was a, an interesting choice that Ron Howard made. It's always just like, yeah, that was a safe way to make that story. And it's not upsettingly bad. And it's not like exceptionally good. You know, he's just solidly in that middle range. I think, I think Rush is an exceptionally well-made movie because when you look at movies about like racing and whatnot, it usually I don't. Okay, well, Speed that's... Racer is my only. <laughs> Here, that's the thing. It's like <laughs> most movies about racing and that include like really fast cars end up being like the Fast and the Furious franchises, where it's like really cheesy, dorky, like trick shot like videos, basically with crazy. And it's never it's never realistic. Like Rush feels very much like. I'm watching a story about someone who races in Le Mans. Plus, like, you know, like Ford versus Ferrari is about Le Mans. Rush is about F1, which is in Le Mans. And I watched Le Mans for a very long time, like, love racing. And it's, it's very well done from the perspective of someone who likes, like, racing and endurance racing like that, you know? My favorite moment of that movie was when uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth's character goes and beats up that one reporter dude. I was like, okay, that was a good moment. Good job. I don't know if you've seen Rush, uh, people listening, but he deserved it. That reporter was a jerk. <laughs> um, yeah. I was like, that was, that was a good moment. Chris Hemsworth is that great made me in that smile. movie. He's really good in that movie. I'm just not like a big Chris Hemsworth fan. I was like, yeah, everything about that movie, I just found to be fine. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I, It's a well-received, like, well, like, I don't know. I have two more things to mention before we move on. Okay. We're, we're almost at an hour, and so we should move on to talking about this is the reunion the podcast. We'll, we'll be here <laughs> around for a little bit. Longer. But I have two things I need to talk to you about. I need to confront you okay. right now about two DC movies. Okay. You gave Wonder Woman two stars. It wasn't great. It's a good movie. <laughs> the climax of that movie was so bad. It was terrible. It feels like a comic book, though. To be honest, there was... There was Dr. Poison in that movie? Yeah. I don't remember what the bad guys were doing at all. Well, the real bad guy was Ares. Yeah, okay. So and he was causing war. It's Wonder Woman. Do you even like Wonder Woman? 
Clearly not. I gave it two stars. She eats ice cream. <laughs> it's the thing from the comics. It's the... Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't think a movie can stand up based on how well it was adapted from a comic book. I think it has to be a good movie as well, John. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It's a good movie. I mean, I only gave it three and a half stars. Nothing much interesting happened in that movie to me. It's fun. I think Gal Gadot was a good Wonder Woman. Good job for her. But other than that, I was just like, just kind of like bored almost. I was like, nothing interesting is going on. Okay, but like two stars bored? Yes. What? I, that's like, that's just shocking to me. Because that was like the first, that was like the first DC, I mean... I'm really big into DC comics and I know you're just into comics in general. Yeah. But like, that was like the movie that I was like, yes, DC comics finally made a good movie. I only gave it three and a half stars, but like I would understand two and a half stars from you, but two stars. No, it just wasn't that good. Like, and I think part of it, why I rated it so low is because it had been so overhyped because I watched it like a long time after it came out and everyone's like, DC made a good movie. And I'm like, did they? And I watched it. And I'm like, it wasn't though. Okay. Well, anything that gets overhyped, <laughs> I understand that that always happens. That's kind of what I was just saying about Star I, Wars. I feel like everyone said it was like an amazing movie. Because it was just so much better than what they were expecting from DC. And then I was like, no, it was like, even like still a below average movie. It's just that Batman v Superman is a fine movie. Was so bad that you were like, thank God it's not Batman v Superman. (laughs) No, Batman v Superman was horrible. I didn't enjoy it at all. But I don't like Man of Steel either. I, I never saw Man of, Man of Steel. I never saw it because I don't care for Superman. And that's just how it is. Superman doesn't care for you. Yeah, it's okay. And he won't when you're an old person. Well, every time I hear that phrase, like they're like, I don't care for that. It's like, well, you don't need to take care of it. And it's just like, I picture like someone caring for their like elderly grandparents. <laughs> like, oh, I'll change your depends or whatever. I don't know. It's time. Oh no! You may have noticed that throughout this episode, we've been talking about something that we'll save for the end or not. You might not have noticed. Maybe you're not very observant. Before we begin, I want to make a few disclaimers. (laughs) The first one being we, I believe neither of us suggest this movie to anyone. I suggest it to one person, but it's not someone listening. Okay. But we don't suggest to any of our listeners that you go watch this movie and we would like to give a spoiler warning and or, a trigger warning before we discuss this movie. Or you could go watch this movie if you're morbidly curious and you, for some reason, think that you have similar taste in movies to me, which I doubt you do. <laughs> uh, anyway, trigger warning. Spoiler uh, warning. Spoiler warning for the death of Dick Long. So, should we begin with uh, the trailer? I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, let's talk about the trailer. So, I'd seen the trailer for this movie a while back because I was scrolling through on A24's website and seeing what upcoming movies they had because A24 is a really good studio. I think that they make 
generally just really good movies. So I was scrolling through, seeing what they had coming up, watching some trailers, and I saw the trailer for this movie, The Death of Dick Long, which is directed by Daniel Scheinert, who's half of the directing duo um, Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, who directed the film Swiss Army Man, which is a movie that I love. Um, We can get a little sidetracked. I should say that movie is also incredibly weird. It... It's a movie about a man who's about to kill himself on a beach when he finds, washing up to this deserted island that he's stuck on, a corpse, and then he rides its farting, this farting corpse across the ocean to safety, and you find out that this corpse can also speak and can be used as a flamethrower, a compass, it shoots water out of its mouth, it does lots of things. And The Corpse is played by Daniel Radcliffe. It's a very good movie. I'd recommend watching it. That one I'd recommend to everyone. I haven't seen it, so I can't speak. It's on my list, though. I probably will watch it eventually. So I was like, okay. This director's made a movie that I really like. Um, It's an A24 movie. I'll watch the trailer. I watched it. And what you get from the trailer is that it's an off-kilter, dark comedy about two friends who's uh, who have accidentally killed another one of their friends in this small town in the South. And the people are trying to find out, get to the bottom of it. And it looks really funny. Yeah, it's, it looks like a really good dark comedy about a group of friends that have some sort of mishap happen and one of them dies and then the other two are just trying to skirt around it in a small town what david said exactly that's all it looks like it looks really good the trailer looks really funny yeah it looks kind of like a just like a crime drama comedy so then the other night i came over andrew was here as well andrew watched it with us yes i think andrew liked it yes he did yeah um and so i was like we're looking for movies we're like well we could watch something we've already seen and i suggested this movie because I knew we were both interested yeah, in it. Yeah, because we, we both had talked about it before and we're like, oh yeah, we should watch that. So this is where we should... Do you want to get into the plot of it? Uh, I would like to say that I think that if I hadn't watched it in my own apartment with my sister mm. around, I probably would have enjoyed it more. Okay. So that, that I realized that after we watched it, I was like, it's probably me feeling uncomfortable because this is like associated now with with my living room yeah (laughs) and also because you know someone who i know would absolutely hate this and probably be kind of disgusted by it was walking around possibly hearing things so that's kind of why i think i was so appalled by it but let's get into the kind of the plot and i should say right off the bat if you're upset with me for liking this movie or (laughs) Um, if you're offended by this movie, I understand and I don't blame you. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) I just thought it was a good movie. Um, okay. Uh, Let me, uh, go ahead. I don't know what to say next. So movie starts off band practice, three redneck dudes in a garage. Then the, the wife of the, the the man who lives in that house, says, I'm going to go take the kid. We're going to go up to bed. Um, So then one of them turns to the camera and says, 
y'all motherfuckers want to get weird. And then there's a montage of rednecks doing redneck stuff. And it's very funny. Yeah, they solid montage. They get drunk and high and then they go shoot off firecrackers and goof off all night. Basically. Uh, set a couch on fire, which was a it was good a really shot. good shot. <laughs> um, it was a really good shot. Yeah. And the end of that montage is them them going into a barn. And then hard cut, one of them is bleeding out in the backseat of this car, and the two of them are driving him to the emergency room. You don't know why. But they're they're really trying to it's weird. They're like trying to avoid actually going up to the emergency room they're trying to like cut through the woods basically yeah so they eventually as they're dropping off their friend at the emergency room they're like hiding and stuff they pull up their hoods and they say anonymity (laughs) they they, he steals his wallet so that he won't be identifiable basically yeah and then they they run off throughout the next few days the the cops are on their trail and it's worth mentioning that the cops in this movie are wonderful oh they're fantastic the sheriff in the small town in alabama is an old lady and she's comedy gold she's great and the like rookie cop who's on the case is a lesbian cop in alabama in rural alabama which is it's a genius idea it's to put fantastic. these two together. <laughs> Oof. Uh, she, she has a line about how she she got a she called her wife and she's gonna make her a quiche uh, because she's so excited that she's on this case. And then it just keeps coming back every time something happens. The, the older cop lady's like, "But it's okay. You got a quiche waiting for you when you get home." <laughs> so. The cops aren't particularly good at their job either. It takes them a long time to figure out what's going on because the their friend died in the emergency room from anal bleeding. Hemorrhaging, yes. Yeah. There was a very funny scene about that with the doctor. Um, yeah, basically he just says, if you're, if you're hemorrhaging up here, I can save you. But if you're hemorrhaging down there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so things are unraveling for the two who have survived their friend, um, because they're hilariously inept at hiding their crimes. (laughs) (laughs) They have no idea how to make a good story to cover it up. And the, the, the biggest problem that the, the main character keeps running into is his backseat is covered in blood and he, he can't get it out um and he has to drive his daughter to school and she gets blood all over her dress yeah so things are coming out slowly throughout the story then you find out that not only was there uh did their friend die from anal hemorrhaging there was also semen found and there the police are operating under suspicions of rape, which at the time is very funny. You're like, cause clearly he wasn't raped. It was him and his buddies messing around. At this point, 
I should we just skip to it at this point? I called the ending. I don't know. Did I say it out loud? I don't think I did. You did not. But I, I was did, surprised. By but it when I it did came. say when it happened. I said, "Oh no, I know what's going to happen because this is based on a true story." Which is horrible to think about. That's why I really hated this movie. <laughs> this, uh, uh, so basically, they they analyze it and find out that it's horse semen, uh, which is shocking. Uh, eventually, the main character's wife is questioning him about how his friend Dick Long died because she realizes something's up and he's lying. And he's saying all these various reasons for his friend's death. None of them make sense. He was like, he tripped on a table saw. Oh, yeah, tripped on a table saw. <laughs> he was like, why are you woodworking at night? <laughs> he was like, oh, there's uh, alcohol poisoning. <laughs> and then at the end of that scene, you find out that he was fucked to death by a horse. Yeah, actually, what he says is... Uh... He took Comet for a ride, and she goes, why were you riding Comet at such a late hour? And he said, no, Comet fucked him to death. Yeah. So you find out that these three friends are into bestiality, which is a shocking revelation, because up until this point, you've just been like, oh, they're typical rednecks, but you didn't know that they were that redneck. Um... It was one of the biggest twists in any movie that I've seen. John saw it coming, but I did not. It's it's based on a true story about a an, an IBM engineer um, who was into bestiality porn and made some and then went home and died from anal, anal hemorrhaging. So, so yeah. the reason that they've been hiding all of this for so long is because they don't want anyone to find out what they've been up to. Which is a real twist for the movie. In that, because in that same scene uh, where he's talking to his wife, he tells her that they've been doing that since before he met her. Yeah. Uh, oof, oof. I think it was a very well-made movie in what it did because it tricked you into watching that movie in the first place and it tricked me into enjoying that movie somehow. Which I think is very well done, and it's a commendable job by the director. Yeah, I think it's really well made, and it's really funny. I you, John was uh, speechless after this movie. It makes me feel bad to laugh at it, and it also leaves me very disturbed. And I don't know how to feel about it, but I won't deny that it was a really well made movie incredibly well written i think um, i think we're gonna see we've seen a pattern in this podcast specifically where david and i talk about a movie and i say oh yeah super well made didn't like it and david's just like oh it's real good <laughs> well yeah because i enjoy watching well-made movies unlike someone else here <laughs> i enjoy a well-made movie to an extent, I to guess. To an extent. Yeah. I I rate movies based on my enjoyment, and I enjoy movies based on a number of things, including how well made it is and like just how happy I am about it. <laughs> and not only happy movies make me happy. Like Yeah. You know, but like Yeah, some Marriage movies, Story made me happy, and that is a very 
well like you know like movie. manchester by the sea makes me very happy um parasite makes me very happy yeah um but they're not happy movies well i mean i consider parasite a comedy for the most part oh yeah it's a yeah. comedy it's a dark yeah. comedy um Oh, we, we should have talked about Parasite in this. Oh, well. I mean, the Oscars came and went when we never really talked about them at all. Which is so. upsetting because that's right up our alley. Yeah, it is, it is really upsetting. But I don't know. I honestly don't have very much to say on this other than that I think it was a really good idea on the director's part. And I'm happy that he made it. And I'm happy that he made it the way he did. I'm not sure why he made it and I'm not sure what, what purpose it, it has in existing, but it was funny. And <laughs> I, I don't know what to say at all. It, immediately after we watched it, we watched an interview with um, the director, Daniel Scheinert, yeah. who I can't wait to see what he does next because I'm really interested to see what he does next. I think, I will definitely be watching his next movie, even yeah. though this one left me so disturbed because it, he was, he did a really good job. He was saying that this movie for him was an exercise in empathy. John disagrees with that. I, I think it's spot on. Disagree with because that. Because the first like two thirds of the movie, you're rooting for these characters and then. Yes, absolutely. There's the turn. So then it's to see how far you can take, it can take you in rooting for them, which I think is really interesting because afterwards i i turned on him uh, i turned on the main character i was like well i can't root for him now but there were still moments where i'd feel bad for him because the rest of the movie i had been rooting for him and i, I still it, it saw almost, like the human in him you know him yeah. wanting to be there for his daughter's yeah. piano recital after he'd done these horrible things where i was like oh, i'm glad that he's there for his daughter even though he's such a horrible person the, the thing about it is it definitely does all of the things you just said. And I think those, that it's done really well that way. But I feel like it's almost a bad practice in empathy because it, it makes you like it forces you to feel empathetic towards someone for something so awful. And it's like, well, how, I don't how feel... far can your empathy go to that person? And it's like, I did feel empathy for his situation at the end. And I was like, sad for him. But at the same time, I was like, that's what disturbed me is that I was sad for him. And it's like, you did which, this to your family. They are suffering because of you. Which I think is why it's such a good movie, because it forces you to push your empathy past where it should go. Like, you shouldn't feel bad for this person. He's a, not a good person. He's done bad things. He consistently, and he's tried to cover them up throughout the whole movie. And he's put his fi his his family through this. His friends died because of it. And yet somehow, the director and writers have still made you feel empathetic for this person who, on the whole, is pretty irredeemable. Yeah, I mean, because like humans want to show empathy, like innately, I think. So then that's why they're able, I think it's a really smart movie in that way. I, no, I think though, it's really smart. I yeah. think it's a really smart film. I think it, it's really well made and, and well done. And I wish I could give it a higher rating. Uh -huh. 
I just don't feel good about giving it a higher rating because it is so disturbing. I feel bad for how much I like this movie. I think it's, um, it confuses me. I'm like, why? Why? But like, I don't know. The, the more I think about it, I'm just really impressed with it. And I think, and I enjoyed it the whole time I was watching it. Even at the turn, I was like, whoa, that's really interesting. Where, where is this going? And like, I never like there, it never pushed me to the point where I was going to say, oh no, this is like a bad movie. I, I don't think, I don't like calling things bad. Now, obviously if a movie's not well made, it's a bad movie, but like this movie was really well made. I wouldn't call it a bad movie. I just felt really uncomfortable and it's one of the few and times you should. I, it's yeah. it, it has it's one of the few times where i've been like i don't want to finish this movie uh, yeah but i don't then, think john would have finished if i wasn't there yeah i would have turned it off the thing is i probably would have turned it back on because uh-huh. a, after walking away i couldn't not know how it ended i had to know yeah what happened <laughs> the director said in his interview that he considered this to be a provocative movie, which is the perfect word to describe this movie. There is no other way <laughs> to it describe it. Seriously, almost ruined Green Day. For me. <laughs> I just can't. The music throughout this movie is spot on. It's so well done. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> um, she mo- gets her quiche, though. She, she does get quiche. a quiche. She gets her quiche. Um, watch this movie if you want, but be warned, you probably won't like it. <laughs> or maybe you will. Who knows? Yeah. 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 I had a long conversation with Michelle about this movie without ever telling her the twist. Oh, what did she, what did she say? Well, well, what did you tell her? I basically, I just told her how I felt about it. Mm. Did you tell her what the movie was called? No. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I did. I told her the name of the movie, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe she'll watch it, and then she'll be like, what? <laughs> but I told her not to, so she probably will. Mm. That's the thing. If you tell someone not to do something, they're definitely gonna. So now everyone that listens to this is gonna watch this movie. Either that or they'll just forget about it. We did explain it to them, so maybe not. Maybe they'll be like, nah, it's not. <laughs> that's not for me. <laughs> Should we end the podcast there? That's like a weird place. I feel like we should do something before ending. <laughs> it's weird. Oh, man. Uh, what what have you been up to recently, John? <laughs> I mean, I literally opened the podcast talking about what I've been doing recently. Oh, so you did. <laughs> you got a job, though. I did get a job. Look at me. Um... I'm looking at you. The audience isn't. Oh, sorry. They must have just got a picture of me pulled up on their phone, which would be, that'd be very quick of you. Good job. Crazy. Um, no, I, so now I'm a host at a restaurant. Um, and it's pretty funny. There are people, like the people that I work with are like, in general, like early 20s, um girls they're all like hostesses i'm the only host at this restaurant and there have been a few moments so far where i've had to contain my laughter at things that they'll say 
specifically what comes to mind is um, they were talking to each other and one girl was like, well, there's this guy that I really like, but like we always just end up fighting. And the other girl goes, well, what star sign are you? <laughs> and what star sign is he? And the other girl's like, yeah, you're right. It shouldn't work. And I was like, well, what just happened? Because like this girl just went, what star sign are you? And the other girl's like, you're right. You're the voice of reason in this scenario. <laughs> do, do you know anything about star signs? No. Oh, okay. And then, <laughs> and then the other girl continued to say, yeah, that's negative energy. That'll mess up your aura. And I was like, man, they're real. Like, <laughs> like most people that I interact with are not like I. I'm close friends with several people who are big into signs, and they better not listen to this podcast. I don't think they do. Okay, but I don't understand it because I'm a cancer. You um, are cancer, John. Yes. <laughs> The thing is, it's kind of like a personality test and it weirdly, it works the same way that a personality test does where it's yeah. like, not everyone falls into it, but a large number of people do in such a way that it's like, it can give well, you insight into who you are. But it's months. It's like what time of year you're born. Yep. That makes no sense at all. It Somehow it works. No, it doesn't. This about it's, about as equally as a personality test. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think those work. Oh, well then that's just, that's, then you just have a problem with stereotyping people in general. Yeah. I think it's so <laughs> stupid. Like, I, I think, I think it is dumb to be like, yeah, we, we won't be compatible because I'm a cancer and they're an Aries. <laughs> yeah. So my, uh, my sister, she's really into like the, the Myers-Briggs stuff and she'll say, oh, well you do that because you're a whatever. And I'm like, no. No. ISFP. I'm an ISFP. I think I was like uh, You're an, ENTJ. an ENTP or something. I just, oh, yeah, that would make sense. An ENTP, yeah. Well, see, people will do that. They'll just be like, yeah, you are. I'm like, what? None of it. And I just did the, accept it. No, I did the I, Enneagram yeah. recently. No, I did I, an Enneagram and I was like, I don't know what this means. Yeah, they put me either a nine or a seven. Um, and I don't. Think I don't even remember, but I was like either a one or a nine. And I was like, what the, what in the world does this mean? They gave me two things. And I think they were the two most contrary to each other. They were like, either you're the peacemaker who never wants to be noticed by anyone, except when keeping the peace, you hate conflict. And the other one was, you're the center of attention and you hate it if people don't notice you. <laughs> I'm like, What? They were like 75 and 74%. Those were my two things. Okay, but that does make sense, though. What? You you are kind of <laughs> the center of attention, and you are a peacemaker. But the thing is, you can't lump anybody into one category of thing. John, you were supposed to back me up on these. I like personality tests. But John, is the problem. Here's the thing. I don't like them in the same way. I don't base my life around them. I think that every once in a while, it's useful to look at those things and be like, oh, the, how does this, how does this maybe affect the way I think about the world? And then maybe think about it for, think about your emotions on a deeper level. I don't think they're like a, a say all ends all like some people do. Like, you know, I like the temperaments much more like the 
choleric, uh, phlegmatic, sanguine, mm-hmm. all of those. Um, I think those are much more like applicable in general. Um, but I think that comes because they're a lot more vague. It's like, you're going to fall somewhere generally under this. Right. Yeah. Um, well, the, other, or like Myers-Briggs, it's like, we have a bunch of letters and they're all going to make up what you are down to like a science, even though well, it's not I mean, scientifically based on a, on at a all. Myers-Briggs, what you have is you have different categories. Yeah. Um, and in those categories, you fall on either side of the two letters, but it's still percentages. It's like the, based on your answers, you gave answers that were closer to this personality than this one. But like me, I'm actually like a, a 60 something percent introvert. Uh-huh. And for a long time, that just would classify me as an introvert. Uh-huh. But now they have one that's like, you're an X, which means you're neither an introvert nor an extrovert. So, I mean, they don't know what they're talking about, obviously. But, yeah. I mean, I think that it can sometimes give you insight into how you interact with other people around you. And I think that's the main thing is it's supposed to be like a, an exercise in uh, thinking about how other people perceive the world differently than you. Well, see, what I found was that for me, Myers-Briggs was like far too specific where like I didn't, where it was like, this is you. And I'm like, but it's not. And then with the Enneagram, I found it to be like far too vague where like I'd read all of the things and I'd be like, I don't think any of these apply to me. And then with star signs i just find them so completely irrelevant to anything that i just like yeah who cares <laughs> i don't know i think out of all of them that i like the the temperament ones the best and i i just think that people get so like caught up in them that like it frustrates me i'm just like i don't know i don't like them in general I take them because the people around me, I ask like, what are you on this? And then I'll be like, I'll find out for you just so that I can be accommodating. But yeah. I want to read you your sign. Okay. I'll cut it out, but it's October 1st, right? You don't have to cut out my birthday, John. Okay. Leave that in. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Good job. I don't remember what day your birthday is. Doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, let's see. You're a Libra. Oh. Uh, and it says, uh, your creativity, diplomacy, and warmth are the most dominant parts of your personality. You thrive in the group setting, and you will do go to great lengths to ensure harmony within a group. How does that make you feel? I feel like... They're saying that about everyone born in the month of October. Well, it's not I mean, like, October. Yeah, but... the beginning of October. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it's so dumb. Like, re- read it again. What does it say specifically about me? Being a Libra born on October 1st, your creativity, mm-hmm. diplomacy, and warmth are the most dominant parts of your personality. Listen, I'm not that creative. That's such a lie, though. <laughs> no, I feel like my ideas aren't that profound. But, okay, I, you don't have to be profound to be creative, though. You are a creative person. 
I'd say I enjoy creativity. I don't think that I am creative in the sense of like thinking outside the box. And you said I was diplomatic. Yeah. Yeah. I am horrible with people. I don't think so. I like that's how I would describe you. Really? Creative diplomatic. I'm good at avoiding conflict, mm-hmm. which I guess is probably the definition of diplomatic. Mm-hmm. I I mean that that's what I'm saying is like they they're very generalized because they do like you're saying apply to everybody born in the beginning of October. Yeah. But I think that it it I feel like if you read me like another one, then I'd be like, "Oh, I can see how that applies to me." I feel like they just like compliment you into thinking, "Oh yeah, that's me." <laughs> Where you're like it get, appeals to your ego and you're like, Here, "Oh I'll, yes, I'll, I am creative." I'll read I. you I'll read you my <laughs> sign and then okay. you can see if you think it applies to you. Uh, as a cancer, you are a creature surrounded by great sensitivity, but also great mystery. Overtly private, you choose to keep your emotions and thoughts to yourself if possible, as you attempt to be a closed book to others. I would say so, actually, yeah. Really? I'm actually very, like, private about, like, my emotions and how I feel about things. Um, to the point where, like, only if I know you incredibly well will I confide in you. I don't think it applies to you quite as well as the the other one, though. I, it, I, I mean, feel like, like I said, if you were to read any of them, then I'd find something where I'm like, yes, that's me. Because all of these things apply to everyone to some degree, I think. Because, like, it's not just one thing either. It's like, we'll say about three things, and one of them ought to apply at least a little bit. <laughs> I mean, but the, that's the whole point is they're very generalized. They're just supposed to be like kind of catch-alls for, for who you, how you interact with people. Yeah. See, like, so I don't think any, like they have any grounds to be considered at all. They're like a catch-all. It's like, oh, someone's got to... <laughs> There, there have to be some creative people that were born at this time of the year. <laughs> and then there's the, the horoscopes where it's like, oh, based on what star sign you are and where the stars are in the sky, this might happen to you by coincidence. And we'll <laughs> Yeah, horoscopes are kind of... They're more crazy because I think... Star signs, but without like the horoscope aspect, are just kind of, they're just like personality tests, really. But they test nothing, so they're not. Like, they don't ask you anything about you. And then they're like, and you're this. But they're <laughs> generally pretty accurate. <laughs> no, they're not. I think because they are. Because they're so vague that they can't be accurate. It's just like reading into it and being like, oh, that is that person. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's some suspension of of reality for sure. I don't know. I don't get it. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I don't actually believe star signs. Why are you working for the devil, John? He pays well. John's a Satanist. The okay. End. <laughs> <laughs>